0: Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. You can find more helpful advice at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Parenting Podcast.
1: You know, grades and test scores in school can be so disheartening to kids who are working hard but they still don't get, you know, the A that they want. As a parent, you can encourage your child to learn for learning's sake and help them overcome challenges in school without feeling defeated. I'm John Fuller, joined by Dr. Danny Huerta, who leads our parenting and youth department here at Focus on the Family. And let's start off this episode with a conversation, a continuation of a discussion Jim Daly and I had with Michael Anderson and Dr. Timothy Johansson, who shared some great advice to help your kids develop resilience. As Christian parents, uh,
2: we see certain misbehaviors through a different lens. We call it sin, and um, that's what we say as believers. And we're greatly concerned as parents about our children's spiritual compass, where they're headed. We probably take a measurement maybe 18 times a day of where their compass is set. Are they heading in the right direction? But you believe parents can overreact and even misinterpret a child's behavioral choices. You've touched on that. I do want to get that real specific answer here. What do you mean by that? Calm down. He's not going to be an axe murderer just because of this one incident.
0: Well, it's a completely different thing is happening in your child if they were to lie or shoplift or do something else or hit. They're trying to figure out how life works. Now, if I were to lie or shoplift or something, I would have to take the integrity that I built and set it aside to pull off that behavior. They're not setting their integrity aside to do that. They want to know, okay, well, I'm being taught not to lie, but sometimes... Um, When mom's on the phone with her sister, she tells a little white lie, and I'm going to experiment with, does lying get me out of trouble? Um, I didn't do my homework for the last two days, and I got ambushed, and I got asked by mom or dad, and I tell dad, I did my homework. They're experimenting to see if lies will pay off, and they're not setting their integrity aside. They're not losing their moral compass. They're learning how life works. What a different way to look at that and uh, probably a little less
2: pressure, but you still got to get them motivated in the right direction. Mm -hmm. That's Um, right. In that case with that liar, if Mm -hmm. I could say it that way and they're testing it, you want to be careful to label your kids as well because that, that's really a shame based Mm -hmm. orientation. But if you're seeing that behavior expressed, what's an appropriate consequence in that kind of behavior? Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think, two things. One is just how you approach it, is to say, I don't think right now you're telling me the truth. You don't make a generalized comment about the person. Are you saying I'm a liar? The kid might ask. No, I'm saying that Friday probably didn't happen the way you're telling me. (laughs) Because you don't want to label the person. That gets into their psyche. But you can say, I don't think Friday happened the way I was told. Mm. And the best consequence for lying is you, if you're a patient, and all of this involves a certain amount of patience as a parent, but in a week or a couple of days, the kid will say, I'd like to go to the mall and I'd like to go to a movie. And you say to them, I think that's a great idea. I would love to see you do that. But right now, I can't trust that that's what you're going to do. So I can't say yes, because until trust is rebuilt, I don't know for sure you're going to do what you just said. Hmm. And a lot of times, it doesn't take more than that. And really, the importance there's stick to it. Once you've
2: declared it, don't back down you because that's down, right? that's a bad situation. Then, yeah. then the child's learning other things how to manipulate you. Hey, uh, two or three things right here at the end. Resilience. Um, why is resilience so important? Well, there's.
3: <laughs> I think it's probably one of the top life skills kids need to learn. And what does it provide? Resilience. Um, Keeps your failures from becoming your defeat. I think that's the most important thing. To so remember. pressing ahead, pressing fighting, ahead, through. getting up, uh, standing up again, trying again. Um, and this is something that parents need to really foster in their children. And How, do do How do you do that? How do you
2: encourage it. resilience? I mean, it sounds abstract. How do I well, help it is, my child? I think it is resilience? abstract,
3: but I think it's coming alongside your kid when they are not doing well or if they failed at something, and say, um, "You should try this again. I think you can do it." Or like the example of the baseball where he's um, not a very good batter, come alongside your kid and say, let's go to a
0: batting cage and practice the next couple of weeks and see if that changes things for you. Resilience has to move up the priority list for parents. I hear parents all the time talk more about their appearance of their kid or their achievements than they do their resilience. Uh And we should be looking for every chance that a kid gets knocked down and gets back up. Because that's probably the trait, ultimately, that will determine their effectiveness in life. It's that's big, powerful. It's the biggest thing in life. And, you know, if a kid is writing a book report on a computer and they lose it or they don't remember where they saved it, say, you know, the fact that you got be on your book report is fine. That didn't impress me. But what really impressed me is how when you lost that book report, you went back and rewrote it and how you – Got rejected by the boy across the street, and two days later, you invited him over. If we watch for resilience, we'll see it in our kids, and we'll foster that. And it'll be right up there with achievements and appearance and other things that we value. That is a good reminder.
2: You also mentioned the joy of being average. (laughs) Okay, everyone's going, what? What? My
3: kid's on the honor roll. He's not average. Well, there is an epidemic of exceptionality nowadays. Uh, <laughs> I it love seems... that,
2: the epidemic of exceptionality. And,
3: and the truth is, just from a statistical standpoint, only about 2 or 3% of kids are gifted or exceptional at any one particular thing. But parents really want to gravitate to thinking their kid is special and gifted and exceptional. So it's more about the parent, perhaps, than the child. It is. And Mike tells a story about, um, you know, during pregnancy, moms will go in and people will ask them, how did your OB appointment, ultrasound go? And they'll say, really good. I'm just hoping for a real normal kid. And then by age four, that's gone. (laughs) <laughs> now we want and exceptional. N- now we want exceptional. I have a quick story about a young little boy, about two weeks old, brought in by his parents. First child. And the um, kid checked out perfectly fine. And at the very end, the dad said, I've got a few more questions. What can I be doing now? And he came over and started running, you know, this kid's bicycle legs. He said, what can I do to really promote his athletic a two-week-old Promote his athletic ability and make sure that he's going to be a good athlete. And what things can I do to visually stimulate him to make sure that he really is good academically? And I looked at the dad and I said, the only thing I want you to do right now is fall in love with this little boy. Hmm. There will be time for all of that. Don't worry what college he's going to, if he's going to varsity in basketball, or whether
0: he's going to be on the honor roll. Just fall in love.
3: Hmm.
0: Fall in love. A sober thing to me that I like to think about is in our culture when um, being exceptional becomes expected, being normal becomes defective. And I think that's what's happened a lot is we're so hungry and so anxious for something to be gifted or exceptional. I see teenagers all the time in my practice, and one of the biggest insults that I could ever give a teenager is that they're normal. That shouldn't be. Almost 98% of us are normal. Yeah. And it was an unfair thing to create a culture for them to grow up in where being different or being exceptional is the only thing that's celebrated. Yeah, and that's rooted in over-affirmation in our comparison
1: culture. You know, there is so much pressure to be exceptional in the culture. I mean, uh, how many bumper stickers do we see about my kid being an honor student? Um, uh, But Danny... There is a challenge for kids. How do we as parents encourage our children to grab onto a healthier mindset, particularly in those school years?
4: Well, I've seen the symptoms of what happens to kids when they're put into that pressure situation in their homes. I've seen intense depression, panic attacks, anxiety, stress disorders related to that. And and kids have pointed to I just feel I have to perform at this level and I've noticed that many times it comes from parents' insecurities inside that their mm. kids need to look a certain way in order for them to to look better or, or or to gauge whether or not they did well as parents. If my child is exceptional, I must have done well in parenting.
1: Yeah, it's on and me, and that's
4: their that's their winning aspiration, right? Yes, yes, I I got there. This is fantastic, but really it's about having children learn that in order to be loving, we get to step into who God has created us to be, and that could include becoming a great athlete, and out of that pointing back to God's creation through that and enjoying the talent and skill that God has given us, and it's not to, to gain more worth as an individual. Mm. Those are great conversations to have. When a child does well, you praise that and you say, wow, isn't that incredible that God gave you that skill and talent to enjoy and to share with other people? Yeah. And when you work, when you do school, it's about learning to, uh, to, to, to have knowledge and, and growth inside of you so that you can serve well in God's kingdom through what He's created you to do. Yeah. And it's about stepping into that rather than having to perform in order to be okay.
1: Well, this goes back to something you have said time and again here, which is be a contributor, not uh, a consumer.
4: Right, right. It's, a, it's about being a contributor in God's kingdom story, and that's what we get to step into. And Many yeah. times it's, it's about learning how to fail well. And then out of that, growing and having opportunities for growth, hmm. rather than uh, places of of exposure of weakness. Yeah. And that's what kids fear so so much. I've heard kids say that what I fear most, the worst thing that could happen, is I fail and I look bad. And I go, man, what an opportunity for you to to grow. And in your weakness, you're strong in Christ because you're developing one of the most important traits, which is humility. Mm. Yeah, I
1: guess as parents, uh, particularly Christian parents, we should take some comfort in knowing that um, there was one perfect person in the Scripture, and the rest of them were flawed, and God used the flawed ones who failed oftentimes in some pretty significant ways. Uh, not that we want our kids to aspire to fail, but yeah. we can learn from the real-life heroes in the Scripture that God can use the broken and often uses the broken in a very powerful way.
4: It does, and, and the the beautiful piece to this is that as humility grows, the ability to love other people grows, mm-hmm. and the ability to see God grows in our kids. Yeah. The other way is a building—those are building blocks towards pride, and that creates disconnection in our kids' lives. We would not want that for our kids' future. I so
1: appreciate you, Danny, and your insights. And certainly we enjoyed hearing from Michael Anderson and Dr. Timothy Johansson. And I'll encourage you to get in touch with us to get a copy of their exceptional book. It's called GIST, The Essence of Raising Life-Ready Kids. If you can, please make a generous donation, either a monthly pledge or a one-time gift— to support the work of Focus on the Family as we equip parents and help marriages stay strong and do so much more. Um, Support us uh, with a gift of any amount, and we'll say thank you for joining uh, the team and uh, doing ministry through us by sending a copy of that book to you. Donate and get the book when you call 800-A-FAMILY or visit the episode notes for more details. On behalf of Danny Huerta and the entire team here, thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller. This has been the Focus on the Family
4: Parenting Podcast.